I don't know about you, but I struggle on Mondays. I don't like Mondays. Mondays are not days I look forward to. In fact, I begin to look forward to the weekend on Monday morning. Anyone? Like, like Sunday evening comes and I can start to feel the panic. Like I can start to feel the rat race coming because the weekends are great. It's these temporary reprieves from the mundane, from the ordinary, from the routines and the schedules and all the other things that come in between Sundays. And so for me, my routine goes Sunday night because I don't get the opportunity to watch football like normal people do. I have NFL Game Pass, and so Sunday night, I get to watch all of my football games. And then as that is going on, my brain starts to think about the week to come. And so, okay, I start to prepare either mentally or I actually grab my planner and I go, here's the three things I need to do this week. And I start to do this. And two things always happen. The first one, dread. Like there's just this sense of dread, like, like this storm cloud that's brewing because as I'm thinking about my week, I go, oh, I got this task, I got this task, I got this task. I look at the schedule, okay, Braden's got to be here at this time and Cora needs to be here at this time and I got to be here at this time. And I just start to have this kind of panic mode. I'm like, oh, here we go again. And then another thing happens. I go, no, I'm going to redeem it. I'm not going to let Monday beat me. And I started to be really optimistic and be very, very hopeful. And so Monday morning comes. Monday morning comes. And the very first thing that starts to happen, right? The very first thing that happens on Monday morning is I choose to hit snooze. That is my first decision on a Monday morning. I had a screenshot of my phone, and if I were to show you my phone and how I set all my alarms, it's so pathetic, okay? If I showed you my Monday morning alarm, it goes 615, 6.18, 6.19, 6.21, 6.24, 6.25. I kid you not. It's because I don't want to get going. And so my very first decision to set up my week is procrastination. Because that's how I feel. And I get to the office and I start to kind of like get things ready and I pop up my laptop, which is probably the worst thing to do for the first time in the morning. And all of a sudden I just see all of the emails and all of the things that are just waiting for me. And it feels like Monday just took a shovel and just smacked me in the face. I'm like, this is it. Okay, here we go. And I don't know about you, but for me, and I've heard this from some of you, so I know some of you think this, Monday morning, I start to ask this question. I start to ask this question. What am I doing with my life? Anybody ever ask that on Monday? You get to work and you're like, what am I doing? Is this all there is? Really? And you just, it's just the same thing. The laundry, the routines, the it just starts to feel mundane, and you're just like, what's the purpose? That thought creeps up. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Every single one of us, listen, Monday is coming. It's coming. So here's the question. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with all of the time between Sundays? What are we going to do? During this series, when we talk about being a church for Monday, Monday is a term where I'm going to define it as everything that's between Sunday, right? And it represents the rest of your life, the majority of your life, the time outside of this one 
and a half, maybe two hours if you're ambitious of church, right? It's school, it's laundry, it's baseball, it's soccer, it's office work, it's the job sites, the construction site, it's the meetings in the C-suite, it's the planning, the organizing, the errands, the lesson plans, the cleaning, the binging on Netflix, and all the other things that happen within that week. Now, I want to let you in on something, because those of us who get paid to do ministry, those of us in vocational ministry, we obsess over this hour. Like, we spend our whole work week, basically, obsessing over what happens in one hour of your life. Like, that's not to say that, like, Sundays aren't important. They absolutely are. They're special, and they're meaningful, and we want you to enjoy it, and to be blessed, and to be challenged, without a shadow of a doubt. Absolutely. But the reality is, even those of us in ministry, full-time ministry, we fail to remember that you have a life outside of Sunday. And so we say certain words and we define certain things that sometimes shortchanges and we just think that everything we do is always about Sunday. But folks, Sundays are important. Don't hear, like, please do not hear this for one second, this whole series, as Sundays are important. They absolutely are. We've been celebrating Sundays since Jesus conquered the grave. It's a powerful time for the church to gather together. But it's infinitely more than this one hour. That's why we want to redefine some terms. We have to think outside of this hour, okay? So some of you might like this, what I'm going to show you next, and some of you, this might cause anxiety. Forewarning, okay? We all have, everybody has 168 hours a week. Nobody can get more. Nobody can get less. We all have it, okay? So out of those 60, 168 hours, people say on average, now some people be like, whoa, 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 I sleep way less than that. Some of you are like, I sleep way more than that. But on average, 53 hours of our 160 hours are spent sleeping. There's another 27 hours, again, it's an average that we have throughout the week that we spend with friends and family. Okay? This is where it starts to get a little depressing. Roughly 44 hours of your week are part of school or work, okay? Drum roll, please. Two hours, if you're ambitious and awesome and we love you, are at church. Think about this. You spend more time outside of church and outside of family time doing other things do you think God had a plan in place with that, with the gospel? Do you think that maybe God had this idea of saying, church is more than Sunday? Go into all the world. I'm sending you out. The church is supposed to be a church that gathers together on, you know, on a day to celebrate, to worship, to be fed, to be encouraged. But then it's meant to be sent out. And so the church really is supposed to be this ebb and flow of a gathering and a scattering. But these days we have these arguments like, oh, is the church's purpose to be all about gathering? Or is the church to be all about scattering? It's like that's not an argument you should have because it's both. But the problem is, is that we have defined everything when it comes to following Jesus so much right here, what happens here on Sunday. Because Monday is so routine and ordinary, and we somehow just create these categories of like, if 
following Jesus doesn't necessarily mean this or that at work or at school, but it does. And that's what we need to talk about. The gospel, the mission seems to me, based upon the hours where we spend our life, tends to look like it has a greater opportunity or greater uh, capacity for influence outside of Sunday morning. We need to think about this. So here's the question. And we really need to wrestle with this. Does our faith connect anywhere outside of these walls? Is what we do and talk about and study here matter outside of here? Does it influence my family, my classrooms, my work ethic? Does it influence my behavior when I'm driving and stuck at 290? When someone cuts me off, like does it, does it influence, does it have anything to speak into that? It absolutely does. It absolutely does. I want to show you some quick passages. Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, all-inclusive. Whatever you do, everything is fair game. In other words, if you were to take this, and I'm going to say this a little bit later, there is no division between the sacred and the secular. Not for the believer. For the believer, everything is sacred. Everything can be done for the glory of God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You're doing it for the Lord. Your job is for the Lord. Your relationships are for the Lord. Everything you do is for the Lord. First, Colossians 3, 24. Knowing that from the Lord you'll receive an inheritance. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of the Lord. In other words, God made you for Monday. This is what we're called to be about. To be light, salt and light in the world on all the days in between Sunday. In between this time together. Because this is the whatever you do moments of life. Those are the moments where God is really going to use you and like glorify himself through you. Every choice, every thought, every action, everything matters. Everything matters. And that's what Paul, I believe, is trying to get at in Ephesians 4. So when we look at Ephesians chapter 4, a lot of times we read this passage, okay? And because it has churchy language in it, we immediately just go, oh, this means what happens on Sunday morning. That's what he's talking about. But folks, put yourself in the shoes of someone in Ephesus. They didn't have a church structure like we do. So they had a totally different way of thinking when they considered church. So here's what Paul is going to say. I, therefore, prisoner for the Lord, I urge you, okay, keywords, walk, if you want to circle, highlight anything, this is a great word. Walk in a manner worthy, again, I'm going to talk about that word, of the calling to which you've been called. This is so profound. A prisoner for the Lord. In other words, Paul was literally a prisoner as he wrote this. But this wasn't like an actual tangible thing. Like, I'm, I'm calling myself a prisoner for the Lord because I'm actually in prison. It's kind of like both and. If he wasn't in prison, he would still call himself a prisoner of the Lord because that's how he understood his position. And he says, you need to walk in a manner, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 
Your life is a journey. Like, th- this word walk is such a Christian thing to say. Hey, brother, how's your walk going? If you say that to a non-Christian, they're like, right? Just think about it. Like, if you, if you never grew up in the church, you never heard the word walk, and you went up to your neighbor and said, hey, how's your walk going? They'd be like, fine, I guess. I, I mean, no leg issues here. Like, but when we talk about, like, Christianity, we, we know what we mean. How's your walk going? It's, it's layered to saying, how, how are you following Jesus? It's your journey. It's the rest of your life. It's moving from point A to point B, right? So that's why Paul says, I urge you, therefore, as a prisoner, to, to like your walk, let it, your walk be worthy. And this word worthy is where we get the word axiom. And the word axiom gives us this image of equal weight. So Paul is basically saying to those in Ephesus, is like, how you live, how you follow Jesus needs to be of equal weight to what he's done for you. Because Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is painting this beautiful picture of the gospel. He did it all for you. Every single thing. You were dead in your sins. He made you alive. It's all by grace. It's all by grace. You can do nothing. So now, walk in a manner worthy or equal weight to the calling. Now, what's the calling? This is where we get tripped up. What's my purpose in life? What's my calling? And we immediately start thinking through all of the secondary issues. What's my gifts? What are what are my strengths? Should I be a doctor? Should I be a teacher? Should I be this? Should I move here? Those are all secondary things. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He's not thinking about your specific calling, the gift mix, and the DNA that God has graced you with. Those are secondary. In fact, those are the way, that's how you live out your primary calling. But when Paul is talking about living out your calling, that word means vocation. Here's what's awesome. Paul has redefined this, and we need to come back and redefine this. Your vocation as a believer, your primary calling, your primary purpose as a believer is to follow Jesus. Your number one primary task, job, vocation in this life is to follow Jesus. And everything else is just the lens or the filter or the context by which that happens. So that's why I, I, like our secondary callings are the way we live this out. The neighborhoods you live in, the classrooms you are in, the schoolrooms you're in, the workplaces you are, if you're a state-owned, those are all the contexts and all the situations that God is saying, here's how you're going to live out your primary vocation. You are first and foremost a follower of Jesus. Everything you do is through that lens. So you cannot separate what you do on Monday from being a disciple. However, we do that. Everything you do is meant to go through the lens of your primary vocation of being a disciple. That's why we need to say this. Your Mondays, they matter so much to God. They matter so much to God. It's not just a throwaway. It's not just a thing you do. Think about it. Is God at work on Monday? Is God at work at your places of, of work? Is God at work at home? Is God at work in your school? 
And who is he going to use to influence people who are far from the Father to change things for the common good of the world around us? Who's, who's God going to use to do that? Oh, the paid pastoral staff at the church. Like, literally, who, like, is this not the design of the gospel? Where Jesus said, it's like, as I've seen, I've been sent, like, I am sending you. You. We're, we're to live sent. But none of this makes sense if we don't have in our mind that our primary calling is a disciple of Jesus. Your Mondays matter much to God. So now, let's look at verse 13. In 14, why does this matter? It matters because of what Paul's going to say. It's like, here's the goal. Here's the goal of why we want to be doing this. In verse 13, he says, until we all, like everybody within the church, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed about by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, and he goes on, it's like, we're to grow up in every way, right? Like, to be mature. Why? Why does this matter? Why does it matter for you to live as a disciple, not just here on Sunday morning, but out there? There's growth language. There's maturity. That's happening. And so we need to understand what the roles and responsibilities are of the paid vocational pastoral staff and what the responsibilities are of those who are part of the church, who've also been graced with gifts and talents and, and different locations and job passions, all these types of things. We are to grow. So when I start thinking about my own family, look at those kids. My goal as a dad my wife's goal as a mom is to steward their lives well. It should be in one essence. We need to do everything we can in our power to equip them to be ready to live as adults when they walk out of the house. To teach them how to live, how to act, how to be responsible, how to follow Jesus. Like, that's, that's discipleship, but like Paul's saying, like, this is kind of the same idea for the church. It's like, when we come here, it's like, these are opportunities to be inspired by the word of God, to encourage one another, and so that we can continue to be ready to live out the fullness of everything we have in Jesus, so that we can grow and become mature followers of Jesus out there and in here. And when this happens, wow, the church starts to grow and the church starts to strengthen and it reflects the body of Christ the way he's designed it. I don't want my daughter to grow up just to be selfish. I don't, she's 11. When she turned 11, I looked at her eyes and I said, you need to stop. And I told her she's grounded. She didn't work. But a lot of times, like even as like, like pastors, like we, we focus so much on like, like, pad, like get, we, we, want, we want everything to be here because it makes us feel good. Like, look at the growth, look at the growth. We're doing something right. But it's like, no, like our job is to equip you and eventually like you got to get out there. I, I want to, no, I won't go there. Monday, folks, Monday is an opportunity for you 
to glorify Jesus. Monday is an opportunity for you to glorify Jesus. You've got to start seeing it this way. It's not just something you do. Every decision, every moment, every single thing matters. And if you're not convinced, just think about this way. What is your life? Is it not the accumulation of choices and decisions you make? And if that's the case, how many decisions do you make in a week here? Get coffee, don't get coffee. Stay awake, don't stay awake. See, there's people sleeping. I'm just it was a joke. Out of my insecurity. <laughs> Everything really for the believer as we follow Jesus forms us spiritually. You're not just someone who is not growing. You're going to be moving forward or moving backwards. Right? And as the believer, everything is an opportunity to grow closer to Jesus. Everything matters. Yes, doing laundry matters. Like, you know, if you're like wrestle with this, like how does that change or influence the way I look at my life? I want to encourage you to read the book, Practicing the Presence of God from Brother Lawrence. Like, like he's a, here's a guy who's basically life calling was one, primary to follow Jesus, but to be in the kitchen. And it, like he just learned how to have sweet communion with the Lord every second, every moment of his life. But folks, God made you for Monday. So look at this now in verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, okay? Like Paul, he doesn't go through this exhaustive list. What he does here is real specific. He's like, listen, these are the kind of the gifts that God has graced the church with. Like these are like people who have platform. And what we see in here are like kind of like platform responsibilities that are very unique. And a lot of it is teaching and shepherding and these types of things. But he goes, their primary role, their primary facet is to really to do this, to, to see people in the church to become more like Jesus, to equip you, to walk alongside of you, to help you understand God's word better so that way you can walk out there more informed and more ready to say yes to Jesus at every single moment. That's why, like Paul gives this here, he's like, listen, we need to change the way we think about how church is done. He's given these people these positions, but primarily not so that everybody can come here where there's only two body parts in the body, a really big mouth and small ears. Like, that's not it. Like, if you just go, like, there's how many people in your sphere of influence right now, how many people in your sphere of influence do you have? Multiply that by the people in this room. That is way greater impact than what I could ever do. So what is my job? To do everything in my power to help you become more like Jesus. And the best way to help you become more like Jesus is to do what he did. To understand scripture, understand the gospel, and then go, you need to go out and follow him and live like him and serve like him. And that's where he goes on in verse 12, right? To equip 
the saints, which is you who believe for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So we see two things here. Everything is an opportunity to grow, and everything you have in your life is also an opportunity to serve. Everything you have, every moment, every decision is an opportunity to grow and is an opportunity to serve. So what's your game plan to become more like Jesus? Okay, what's your game plan to become more like Jesus? How are you going to grow to be more like Jesus? Here's the biggest challenge we have in the church, is that people come here to eat one meal a week. Okay? It's like, it's a good meal. You thought I forgot. It's a good meal. I hope you look forward to this meal. You want to come. It's a delicious meal. I look forward to Sundays to spend time with you in the Word. The problem is, a lot of people in the church, they do not eat another meal from Sunday to Sunday. How are you supposed to grow in Jesus? Right? That'd be like, this is as ridiculous as saying, I'm going to lose 30 pounds in the next six months. And here's my plan. I'm going to eat right one day a week. How's that going to work? It doesn't. Folks, our job is to equip you to move out so that way you can also build your relationship with the Lord. That means every opportunity is an opportunity for you to grow and connect with Jesus. But not only that, not only that, every moment and every opportunity in your life is an opportunity to serve. But here's the deal. We think Mondays are so incredibly insignificant. So ordinary, so routine, so mundane that we always are looking for these big, extraordinary moments. That's going to be growth. We need to have these mountaintop moments. And when I have this mountaintop moment, I'm going to, it's going to be me and Jesus. I'm going to be so close. I'm going to have the spiritual goosebumps or goose pimples. I don't know what state, you, I don't know what you guys say. In Minnesota, we say goose pimples. I never understood that. Like the goosebumps, like, it's like we look for those powerful high top moments. But folks, those are so few and far between. I was reading a book once, Tish Warren, she wrote in her book, the liturgy, the liturgy of the Ordinary. I love how she says this, okay? This is so good. The new life into which we are baptized, following Jesus, is lived out in days, hours, and minutes. God is forming us into a new people, and the place of that formation is in the small moments of today. We tend to want a Christian life with the dull bits cut out. Yet God has made us to spend our days in rest, work, and play, taking care of our bodies, our families, our neighborhoods, our homes. What if all of these boring parts matter to God? What if days passed in ways that feel small and intimate to us are weighty? Oh, I love this line. That they're weighty with meaning and part of the abundant life that God has for us. If you started to understand this, what would change in your Monday? Students just sitting in class. Oh, I can't wait for three. But what if in those moments, God has something for you there? At work, when you're just checking email, filling out reports, I almost did a little office space crack there. Like, what if those are moments? Every moment, every opportunity, 
we downplay the small things, don't we? We downplay the routine things. But even in the Old Testament in Amos, he says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Small, but it grows. Right? The kingdom of God is like yeast. Really small, gets in dough, and it influences. Small things are really significant things to God. Faithfulness is a big thing to God. It's a big thing. So you need to see every moment of your lives in between Sundays as opportunities to grow. But not only that, it's an opportunity to serve. Equipping the saints, because we're coming more like Christ, for building up the body, right? The work of ministry. What is the work of ministry? Like, see, this is where we need to get out of the mind trap because a lot of times we think of ministry, right? What do you think of? Honestly, what do you think of when you hear for the work of ministry? Oh, that's why I need to volunteer or serve at my church. Because without realizing it, because us pastors, we, we obsess with Sunday, that we, we want to make Sunday awesome, and so we, we do need you. And, and I would say it's a biblical mandate for everybody in the family to contribute at some level, absolutely. But we created these systems where as if, Larry Osborne would even talk about this, we're like serving in a church in full-time pastoral ministry or out on the mission field is like the final destination of a discipleship. Like what you do in a workplace doesn't matter unless you become a full-time pastor or someone in seminary or on the mission field. That's, that's not right. The word ministry basically just means serve. That's all it means. We're to equip you to serve anywhere and everywhere all the time. This is not the pinnacle. In fact, the front line of ministry is everybody who does things out there. This is not the front line of ministry. The pulpit is not the front line of ministry. This is just an opportunity for us to gather around the Word of God, to hear His heart, and to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to give you more of my heart. I want to love you more, and I want to go out there. So here's the question. Are you known as one who serves? Do you serve? Is it a heartbeat? Is it a natural thing? When you think about your job, do you see it as opportunities to serve people, to be like Jesus there? Like, like a good little simple thing. It's like if you see a colleague or someone who needs an extra hand, just help them. And you're like, well, that's just so insignificant. No, 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 no. It is not. It's very significant because who knows what doors that opens up. Right? Even Jesus even said that. It's like when we serve like this, we're doing, we're fulfilling the greatest commandment to love God and to love your neighbor. Right? And he says, like, what you do for the least of these, you've done for me. Every moment, every opportunity is a moment to grow and a moment to serve. So important for us to understand because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Monday, Monday is the mission of the church. And that's the thought I want to leave you with. Monday is the mission of the church. This is not the mission of the church. Is it part of it? Yes. Is it meaningful? Yes. Should it be part of your walk? Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. But this is not it. It's only one hour. Out there. 
is it. Every moment, every opportunity. So I want to give you a taste of where we're going. The next five weeks, we're going to be talking about certain topics and things that are going to shape what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, okay? So starting next week, here's the topic that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what does it mean to carry your cross and to be yoked to Jesus. The cross and the yoke. The week after that, we're going to talk about how those who live a church for Monday, they build their life on the Bible. We need to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus and what he said because the heartbeat of a follower of Jesus is one who follows Jesus and does what he says. So we got to take that serious. And the next week is we're going to love the church. What does it mean to love the church? Like that's just not here on Sunday, but it also means in smaller communities. It also means on what the mission and the heartbeat of the church is out in the greater world. Because that's going to set us up for the next few topics where we need to seek the good of the city. We need to seek the good of the city. I'm excited for this series. Because I believe that if we grab this, it will change our heart. It will change how we see church. It will change how we see discipleship. Imagine, imagine for a moment, if, if our schools were filled with people who were following Jesus in all things, even the littlest things, bringing kindness and just an, 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 like a helpful hand to their classmates in your workplaces. What if Christians began to be known for their Mondays instead of their Sundays? Think about that. Like what, if, what if the city of Austin went, wow, those folks are known for how they live. That's my prayer. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we come to you in silence and in humility, knowing that you are God, you are our Lord, and that you called us to follow you all the time, everywhere, anywhere. Lord, we do pray that you would forgive us for disconnecting our faith from certain moments where Monday can get us and we can lose sight and lose focus and always be about the bottom line and not realizing that maybe the bottom line is following you. Maybe the bottom line is being salt and light instead of that dollar or that raise or that promotion, that, that whatever it is. So Father, we just give you our hearts. Would you speak? Lord, I pray in these remaining moments that you would use these words of these songs to speak to our hearts in a way that is profound, shaping, and moving. I pray this in Jesus' name.